Let's Talk Crypto with Gabrielle Haynes. Hello, we're on with Andy, co-founder of Fractional. How are you doing today, Andy? I'm doing well. How are you? Um, I actually reached out to you before the turn of this 2021. I asked to do an interview with you regarding DeFi, if you can believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's an eternity ago now. So I... I, I understand your background is in engineering, right? You're, you're a coder first, or how did, how did that uh, whole thing play out? Yeah, yeah. So I, I've been doing smart contracts now for, uh, for like four years. Started doing it at like a fintech company and then was at MakerDAO for two years. And now I've been doing my own thing for almost a year since I left Maker, but yeah. Oh, I didn't realize you were at MakerDAO. So you've been involved for a while in crypto, huh? Yeah, in 2017, like early 2017, I got really into it. I was out of college for like eight months at that point. Um, and so then I was like, I thought I was pretty set on leaving my job. I, I didn't really care for it. And so I was like starting to get more into crypto and just got lucky and found a place that was happy to hire me to like kind of learn Solidity as I went. Uh, which was very fortunate, obviously. And so I started doing that back in like mid-2017 and have basically been almost exclusively writing Solidity as my day job for like four years now. Wow, that's incredible. Um, So you, my first, uh, I guess the first time I I heard of you or what you were doing was in regards to Badger, you created some vaults for them. Um, how How did you get in touch with the Badger? Yeah, so I uh, I like when I was during DeFi summer craziness, I uh, I started to get pretty into like the yearn strategy vault kind of stuff. I was working on some yearn strategies, doing different things, and then uh, I actually got connected with Badger because they needed help with their airdrop, and so I wrote. I got connected with um, like the team there and basically like did like contractor work for them essentially to write some code to create like the Merkle tree for their airdrop and some stuff like that and do a bunch of like scraping of all these. Cause they had, you know, they had like a crazy initial token airdrop that went to like everyone in the world who's ever used DeFi and, or Bitcoin and DeFi. And so I like helped with that. Uh, and then I just like stayed in contact with them and, as I was working on urine stuff, helped them help them out with some of like their like vault strategy stuff and all of that. Um, but it's funny; it feels like an eternity ago, even though it was only like what ten months ago or something. Yeah, I, it was definitely a different time. I mean, after after this, like I feel like you started getting into Top Shop a little bit, which was a turning point for you, maybe just observing. I, I don't know, but maybe. Tell me about that a bit. No, yeah, definitely. You know, I think I like, uh, so I got into Top Shot relatively early, like um, very early in September, mid, or early to mid-September of last year, so just about a year ago. And I previously had like, you know, been aware of NFTs, but done like some internal stuff with Maker around potentially uh, like NFTs as collateral and all of that. Uh, but I had generally, funny enough, like I'm, I'm I'm kind of a collector in the real world with like 
sneakers and Pokemon cards and other stupid shit, but um, I hadn't really ever thought about NFTs appropriately like that. And Top Shot was the first time where that kind of unlocked something in my head where I was like, oh, I kind of, I understand what's happening here. I understand why someone who has disposable income would want to come and buy these NFTs, just not just for an investment thesis, but because they like them and they want to own them. And so that kind of helped reshape how I was thinking about NFTs. And that's really just because I'm a huge basketball fan. So it was fun for me. I never really expected it to take off like it did. Uh, yeah. And so then that was kind of as I was starting to wind down my time at Maker and I was spending a lot of time on other DeFi, DGen, Yield stuff. And I was kind of just like taking all of the profits that I was making from Yield Farming and putting it into Top Shot and NFTs. Uh, and slowly as I spent more and more time like getting into NFTs, it just became more and more what I was interested in. I was never really a finance guy in general. I, you know, DeFi was just the most important thing happening on Ethereum. And so it was what I was spending my time on because it made the most sense to me. Um, but at the end of the day, like I'm a video game player and a sports fan and all these different things where NFTs kind of click with what I care about in the real world a lot better than like figuring out the most efficient bonding curve does or something. Yeah, yeah, I definitely... Uh... I definitely understand that. So who introduced you to Topshop? Was there like, what was the, how, how did you just find out about it? Honestly, I don't totally remember. So I, I applied to their like closed beta before Topshot even came out. Like this was probably in 2019 or something like that. Oh, wow. This okay. is back in like the cheese wizard days. And so I applied, basically totally forgot about it. And then one day I like saw a tweet and I was like, oh, shit i totally forgot about this like i should go check it out it was um uh, that was like a, a season of basketball that i was like really into as well during covid and everything i was spending a lot of time playing daily fantasy sports and and watching basketball um and so i was like oh i, I should go check this out and i went and looked in my email and saw that i had received an email actually that i had been added to the closed beta like a month prior and by the, by the time that I went and got on, it was already an open beta. It wasn't closed anymore, but I definitely missed out on like a ton of money not seeing that email because I totally would have like aped into all the packs that were available and stuff. But I, I never bought any of that stuff. I just bought everything on the, on the open market afterwards. Um, and yeah, so I, I, it, must, it was someone's tweet or retweet or something that was just reminded me that I had looked into it. Um, but I think I had found out about it originally just because I've been following the CryptoKitties team because I was around back in 2017, 2018, when that all went crazy. Wild, wild. Um, so we've definitely, it feels like there's been two kind of NFT waves, uh, one earlier in the year, and then one, you know, starting a couple months ago with the PFPs and Bored Apes kind of started that one. Um, how, do you, how do you feel that these are different? Obviously there's different, you know, they look different, but what are the differences in, these trends? I think it's hard to say. Uh, you know, I think that a lot of what's happening with NFTs is kind of in the same way interesting things were happening in DeFi where someone figures out something that clicks. And, you know, with DeFi, it's a little more like structured things where it's like, oh, we've figured out lending markets and we've figured out swap like exchanges and all these different things. Whereas with NFTs, it's more like, 
oh, people realize that you can do trading cards as NFTs. And then they realize that you can do virtual identities and collectibles as NFTs and, uh, and then generative art and all these different things that, uh, but kind of in the same way, you, until someone does it, you don't really think about it. Like, I, I don't know, there's, there's a few very creative and super smart people who are always going to be on the cutting edge of making whatever the next hot thing is. Most people are not that. Most people are just going to like see what's cool and buy what they think is cool. Um, and so I think that just kind of like naturally as the space is growing so much and there's so many more developers and creators and really smart people coming into the space, you're going to have someone who shows up and does something and kind of like what you saw with Loot, where someone was like, oh, what if I just, Dom's like, oh, what if I just put a bunch of words on a thing? And everyone's like, oh, ho- holy crap, I'd never thought about this. This is really cool. I like this. And then there's like end project and all this other stuff that comes up organically. And so I think that we're just seeing these kind of waves of interesting things being created that kick off like the imagination of a bunch of people who now that they have the like inkling of the idea of what it can be, are able to take that and run with it and continue to build more stuff. And so you saw that with Top Shot and I think Top Shot and like the Top Shot Nifty Gateway stuff in like last winter, end of last winter was really interesting because I think that, that also was really pivotal in onboarding users. And so like, I don't think we would have had the wave of NFTs that we just had if it wasn't for that first wave that onboarded a ton of new users who started out collecting NFTs with a credit card through Topshot or Nifty Gateway. And then once you get the itch, you want more. And so then you, you download MetaMask and maybe you mint some board apes. And now all of a sudden your board ape has gone up 25X and you're, you cash that out and now you have a bunch of money to play with that to you is like fake internet money. Um, but yeah, and so I think that's kind of how, how I look at it is it's just like all these different ideas that are sparking really interesting creations and artists and creators. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's definitely, I like how you put, there's a big difference between DeFi and NFTs. And NFTs, the possibility is technically endless. Like people can make up all sorts of weird <laughs> NFT creations and, and the waves will just continue. Uh, but I mean, it's obviously really popular right now. And you clearly believe in NFTs much more than any one particular market cycle. So, you know, what do you, what do you see as the, the value? Like, what do you think that NFTs bring to the table? Yeah. So I think like at the core of most of it is just like cultural significance um, and kind of the idea that if, you know, for me, the, Probably at this point, the like, cultural group that I associate myself with the most is like Ethereum people, crypto people. Um, it's who I spend most of my time talking to and what I spend most of my time thinking about. And it just makes sense that those people will have their own culturally relevant things in the same way that skaters do. Or like I, I think about it a lot, like, like skating and hip hop drive so much of what is popular in the real world. Uh, between clothing and uh, just like what's cool, essentially. Uh, most most like different generations of clothing and what's cool comes from these like more countercultural and smaller subsections of people that are considered cool and kind of decide those things. And I feel like the the culture of Ethereum, what's happening on Ethereum is like has the potential to be that. And I've noticed that with like CryptoPunks and other things is you have people who are coming in from the traditional world and understanding why this is cool, understanding why it matters, and then 
wanting to buy in. And as we, as a society get more and more digital, it just makes sense that more and more of that is going to be on a, on chain or even just digital things in general. And not even just like, you can see it without even being on chain, but skins in Fortnite and, uh, and digital collectibles that aren't even blockchain related or, or metaverse related, just in their own little worlds. Um, that to me is really the main thing. And, and that's, what's kind of so fun about it is you're just, uh, it's just trying to build up like these things that are culturally important. And like you were saying, there's literally no limit on what that could ever possibly be. Before this whole NFT thing really started kicking off, I, I heard a quote from Mark Andreessen that he said that first the internet becomes permeates, just becomes very, you know, everyone has access and then it sets the culture. So we, we see that really playing out. It's, it's so interesting. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't, I butchered the quote, but that, uh, that thought no, yeah, it's a, is, is, it's powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think that it also makes a lot of sense to me that DeFi kind of had its moment for NFTs for like some of those same reasons is you needed, you know, if it's just NFTs, if, if Ethereum is only these digital collectibles and internet flexes and stuff, it's really hard to make the case for why anyone gives a shit that they're on Ethereum and that they exist. But when you have all this other stuff and basically when you have the internet, when you have web three being built for all of these other things, and then you say, well, also here is how you show your, your tribe and who you associate with, who you relate to, then it makes a lot more sense because it, there's like this stickiness around why it should be there in the first place. Whereas if it, if you just have NFTs and you just, you know, are, are trading crypto kitties, once the like excitement and the adrenaline rush of, oh, I, the next quick flip goes away, it's a lot harder to make the case for like the cultural importance of why you would care about this. Um, and I think that's also why you've seen it, you know, do so well on Ethereum compared to, to other chains that maybe are cheaper and faster and could potentially like make more sense for NFTs outside of the, uh, you know, like on like a technical level. Yeah. Ethereum definitely houses pretty much all of the innovation and attracting the culture as well. I mean, that's the uh, NFTs on other chains aren't really that popular right now. And who knows if they'll have the historic, historical significance as, you know, the ones on Ethereum. And I think, I don't know, that's why I spend most of my time on Ethereum. It feels like the most, you know, engaging, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's also, you know, I think that NFTs have kind of passed a certain threshold where almost anything that comes out now, it, it really is extremely hard to feel authentic in a lot of ways because it's so obvious how much money there is to be made and how to garner appropriate demand. Like I just now got a DM from someone to join, you know, some random person to join their new profile picture drop. And like that happens all the time. It's become very much like there's this established thing of how you could potentially make a couple million bucks doing NFTs. Uh, that didn't exist two years ago, or even even nine months ago when when Board Apes dropped. Well, I don't remember exactly when they came out. A little less than nine months ago, uh, and so 
like the authenticity of those and the like community of people who build up behind those feels way more natural to me. Like it, it'll be extremely hard for Solana or any of these other chains to ever have something that feels the same way CryptoPunks does because of how long it took for CryptoPunks to become what they are. And so it's like a very interesting change that's happened. And the same thing with like art blocks or with, uh, I think those are really the two biggest ones to me is like the, the origin of like the profile picture stuff and then the on-chain generative. It's like anything else that someone does on another chain is very clearly like, oh, this worked really well. Now let's do it on this chain. Uh, and you can't have that origin moment again where it feels so much more authentic. Like Chromie squiggles are an incredibly authentic thing that like some guy made and then people decided it was cool, but it wasn't like everyone knew that they were cool immediately. And it wasn't that he was doing some cash grab. He sold them for like crazy cheap and it took forever for them to finish minting because no one cared about them. And that is impossible to do now, basically. I like that idea, authenticity. That's a very important point. And it's something, I don't know, I haven't heard anyone talk about that really, but you can definitely sense, you know, with the 15th profile picture project <laughs> that it's based not on what, you know, they wanted to create or like some inspiration. It's just based on, you know, whatever is going to make money right now, whatever's popular. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's like one of the most valuable things is being able to to decipher that. And, and that's not to say that other projects on other chains or other things can't do well and, and can't be authentically done by an artist who really cares about it and really wants to see it succeed. But like some of the more like immaculate conception style, like the origin story of these things, it just can't be recreated anymore because the system is like too figured out kind of in the same way that when yield farming started like yams, it was like, no one knew what they were doing. Everyone's just like, yeah, let's just like put some money in this and see what happens. I don't really understand it. And it's like, wait, so I put my maker in here and then what happens? And then like within a couple of months, it was all botted and everything was just like, it was to a totally different game and with like totally different rules and the level of understanding everyone had about what you had to do and how you had to do it had completely changed. And it kind of feels like NFTs have gotten to that point as well where you can't have that really organic, like totally just people stumble upon this thing and get excited about it and do it. Uh, and so it's a lot harder to be sticky and, and find your place. Yeah, you brought up loot though. Somehow loot was able to do this in the midst of everything. And I think it comes down to the innovation. You, you do have, it's completely new, right? It's authentic. Yeah, yeah exactly. And like, and also, you know, I think different people argue about this, but to me, it definitely was not a cash grab in any way. Like, sure, Dom reserved himself some loot tokens, but I don't think that he would have imagined what happened would have happened with the price of these things and and all of that. And so, like, it, it while totally insane and crazy, it did have what was feeling like a very authentic release where it was just this new thing that was out and you could do it and people really just kind of were able to run with it and, and experiment and build weird stuff. Um, and yeah, those are just going to be, I think, fewer and far between as we as we continue. But if you're able to find the right the right NFT project and do that or create something like that, the the possibilities are pretty limitless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting what gets picked up because you know we had the hash masks, which happened I don't know even before the board apes, and 
like looking back, it feels like they definitely had the potential to be one of these, you know, 40 East floor type deals, you know, but somehow like just kind of fizzled out and didn't really. So it's, it's not only that something authentic, which I think the hash max were like, there's a lot of debate about that, but you know, like generally it feels authentic. Um, but I guess the timing just wasn't right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think at the end of the day, even with any of these, it's like, there's so, so much luck involved. <laughs> there's, there's just an incredible amount of luck that needs to happen where just the right couple people who really care about it need to decide this is how I want to spend my time and energy and, and a bunch of little things all need to kind of come and fall into place. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely uh, by no means a solved, a solved thing. So I want to go back to your experiences with the Top Shop. So as Top Shop was taking off and you start to realize, holy shit, I just bought a whole bunch of these really expensive cards now. Like, how are you feeling at that time? It was pretty surreal because like, so I was, you know, while I was doing it because I enjoyed it, I also knew that it, I was making a, a pretty smart move. I, I felt confident in that. Um, and I had in my head, you know, okay, I, I could see this thing being worth this much, or I could see someone paying this much for these things. And all of a sudden in like two weeks, it went from, man, nothing's really happening. Like, I feel like the team's not really executing how I would like, uh, I'm not, haven't been super impressed with X, Y, and Z. And then all of a sudden it was like, holy crap, every single moment is worth more than I ever thought it could be worth. Like <laughs> it, it it took off so fast and you know, there was a confluence of reasons as to why that happened, but I, I was really caught off guard. A lot of it didn't really feel very real to me where all of a sudden, you know, my, my account had had 20 X in like three weeks and I didn't really know how to, how to react to that. But I mean, definitely it, it's been, uh, you know, even now after the market has settled and thing and everything, it's still been, it's like a life-changing amount of money that I made from, from buying some basketball gifts that I liked. Uh, but it was really weird. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you recently started fractional about, I guess, two months ago. What was the motivation behind that? Yeah. So I actually, funny enough, you know, I didn't really talk about it too much. I actually started working on fractional full-time in February. Okay. So I've been working on it for, for like seven months, uh, but no one really knows that there's no way you wouldn't know, <laughs> um, but, but yeah. Uh, and so then it, we launched in, in July. So it's been like two months since I've really been talking about it a lot. Previously it was just building and, and getting ready and all everything like that. Um, but a big part of doing fractional was thinking about, Top Shot and and the way that I was thinking about Top Shot back in February, and you know, there was a lot of demand from people in Top Shot who are coming from more traditional collecting, where uh, fractional ownership of sports cards and sports memorabilia and different things like that is very popular, and it just felt clear to me that there was a, a pretty large addressable market of people who were priced out of the most important things and wanted to wanted to be a part of that, um, and. So far, it's been pretty clear that at least some amount of that thesis was correct. Uh, and it's it's just really cool, like doing it with 
like on with blockchain and totally decentralized is a really cool experience because you're able to like actually let people own a percentage of these things as opposed to like in theory you're custodying this thing but they have some type of agreement that whatever whatever tokens they own count as something um and so that's really nice that we can you know kind of really cut out the middleman there and and the fractional as a protocol doesn't take any fees we don't do anything we're just right now all we're doing is we're just helping you deploy a smart contract to let people collectively own something um and yeah, so that, that's really been the core thing. I think it's been really interesting over the last month and a half since we've been live, the the demand for, I guess, maybe not the demand for this, but the, the, the use of Fractional as a community building tool and almost like a, I've been calling it subreddits for NFTs, has been significantly larger than I expected. People have been really excited just about like chatting with other people who own the same NFT as them. And making memes about it and all this other stuff. And that was something I didn't totally expect, but it's been really, really cool to see. Um, and we're excited to like figure out how we can lean into that more and what we can do to help continue to like encourage people to build a community around the NFTs they like and, and the things that they want to collect. How valuable is a token in the NFT world? I mean, we have this huge debate, loot, talking about loot again, but there was this airdrop and they say, oh, do we want to accept it? Do we not want to accept it? Like, and fractional is, is kind of in the same way that you have a token based around a particular NFT. Um, like, how important is that aspect of this whole equation? Yeah, well, so for fractional, it's pretty important because we need a way to signify Basically, we need a way to split up this NFT for multiple for multiple owners, and so the, the way we do that is with a token. Um, so it, it's pretty important for us. the The conversation around loot has been very interesting because you have you, know, you have eight thousand loot NFTs, and so the question is, should those just be the governance for loot as opposed to adventurers gold? Whereas with let's say for uh, dog, for example, from PleaserDAO, uh, there's only one dog token, only one dog NFT token. And so we need to split that up into a ton of ERC 20s so that we can have this communal ownership and um, basically allow everyone to like actually literally own a piece of it. That's kind of the closest we can get uh, because it's all like, you know, since it's all just based on smart contracts, like you technically kind of do own a piece of it. Uh, at like a programmatic level. And just to be clear, so when I have a piece of we, we took a dog, let's say, um, what benefits does that get me? I mean, I guess the deployer of that particular NFT can you know, make uh, chat groups or whatever, but from fractional side, I mean, what claim do I get? So, uh, you know, we really, at this point, uh, to us, Fractional is really a collecting platform more than anything else. Um, and so it's not really particularly about the like you know benefits outside of the enjoyment of owning a percentage of an NFT that you really like and you think is really valuable. Um, one of the benefits of you know buying into say five percent of an NFT on, on Fractional is you know there is the ability for people to make marketplaces for that outside of our protocol. Like our smart contracts don't have any, I, basically we just issue fractional ownership and we, that that's it. Uh, we don't 
have any marketplace for it or anything. And so people are able to go and provide liquidity on Uniswap or SushiSwap or different things like that. So there are some benefits there compared to owning an individual NFT as far as um, potentially being able to plug into DeFi and different things like that. But it's not something that we're opinionated about. We're, we're really focused on making the collecting experience really good and having it just feel exciting to, you know, like I, I think it should feel exciting to own a piece of dog because it's like the most pivotal internet meme of our time. Um, and so that's really uh, been our, our main focus more so than any benefits or anything like that. There's like the, you know, in a world where someone has a buyout or an NFT is bought out, everyone who owns percentages of the NFT will all be able to split the, the Ethereum that's used to buy it out. So there's the potential eventually to have it be sold if people want it to be sold. Um, but that's also like not as big a focus for us as just um, helping people buy things that they think are important. You got to, that's okay. Um, one, one, uh, the devil's advocate may say, well, why, what do we need liquidity for these NFTs for? It's just a way for, you know, these rich people to sell their JPEGs to people. Like this is, this is a scam. Like, well, what is this for? Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I, I, I don't even, I don't really think about the, like, I don't, I don't think that the liquidity side of fractionalization in a lot of ways is really as big or important as people talk about sometimes, uh, to be totally honest. I think, you know, th these, if you have an NFT that's worth, let's say you have an NFT that people, that some subsection of people really love, and it's worth a quarter of a million dollars, even on the best AMM in the world, it's still not going to be that liquid. Like that's, that's not like a real thing. If you have a $250 fully diluted valuation of any token, it's not a very liquid token. Um, and so really it's more about unlocking the ability to have a ton of owners and the idea that like communal ownership of these things is additive and it makes, it makes an NFT more valuable and it makes owning 5% of an NFT more valuable because now it's not just one person who owns it. It's a community of people who all, uh, have a like-minded interest in people knowing about this NFT or just being a good steward of it or making funny memes and just having a good time. And I think that's one of the things that has been, like I said, with the community that's been surprising to me is, and I think this has become more and more real to me just in general outside of fractional as well, is that people just really value like having fun and making jokes with people online and like literally to a, to a monetary level, people value it. And whether that's shit posting on Twitter or you know, talking in a token gated discord on the fractional discord, because you all own the same token, uh, there's real value in, in the community and, and just having shared ownership with people. And so I think it's less about, you know, like, oh, giving someone exit liquidity from an NFT or something and more about unlocking something that can't really be done with a one individual NFT where it's, it doesn't really work. Otherwise, it's only it's always just one person owns it. And so that that's where the value really lies, in my opinion. Yeah. Speaking of which, do you think the um, financialization of NFTs is important? I mean, like, lend, there's no lending and borrowing markets right now, I guess, options, stuff like that. And also, do you think that fractional is in that category, like, of financialization? 
So I think it's important in, in so much as it's going to happen. Um, like the art markets and traditional, you know, like real world non-fungible assets are heavily financial, like they're mostly financial assets. And so I think, yes, but like, I don't think that we really have like the right NFTs yet for all of that. When I think we'll get to a world where we have real world assets and we have um, like DeFi assets that are NFTs. Um, and, and I think building out the financial world around those is significantly more important because you're, you know, like I think that some of the biggest like total addressable market for a lot of Ethereum, if we can make it work is real world asset securities like houses and bonds and, and mortgages on the blockchain and like unlocking those into DeFi and everything. And that's been like, that was a push it maker forever ago when I was there. Um, and so I think that stuff is important. And, and when that does happen, um, fractionalization of those, type of those types of assets, I think will be really huge. Uh, but I think it will look, it'll be very different from the fractional that we have right now. Uh, it's something that we're very cognizant of. And, you know, I would love to position ourselves and, and fractional the protocol and, and everything in a way that fractional is able to support those things when the time comes. Uh, but it's probably still a ways away. I, th I think it'll be a while before we find ourselves really doing that. And you can see that even now with like some of the lending with NFTs and stuff. Uh, there, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of attempts at it and there hasn't really ever been a ton of usage for like borrowing against your, your board ape or something like that. Uh, I think that there, it's not really the right type of, of NFT for a lot of that stuff. Maybe I'm wrong. It'd be really interesting if I'm wrong. And there's like some really cool primitives that are built that people just weren't ready for. Um, but I, I do think that stuff will be, is an absolutely massive market though. It, when, when the time comes and you have the right set of users who are excited to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Although with the state of the U S regulations, I don't know when that's going to happen. So. <laughs> no, no. I, I think that like, as you get past when, once you, once you get to securitizing real world assets and, and putting them on chain, like I said, that's where it, it's, it's going to take a lot of infrastructure and a lot of work and it's, it's definitely an uphill battle. It'll, it'll be a while. For sure. What are other some what other features would you like to include in uh, fractional? Right, you said it's pretty much basically just fractional token, um, making that you know deploying the smart contract for the the the, the client. I don't know how to do, the user. Um, is there anything else that you you know want to add? Yeah, you know I think we still have a ton of work to do on our front end to really make things more clear for users. Uh, a lot of our users have basically, this is maybe their first time ever using like Uniswap or SushiSwap when it comes to buying some fractions of an NFT or different things like that. And so there's a ton of educational work we need to do. Um, a lot of the DeFi stuff like on Sushi and Uni and everything, it's a little daunting to them or they don't totally understand it. Like, how do I provide a ranged liquidity over? What does that really mean? What am I doing? Um, and so there's a lot of work for us to help educate and onboard users to all of that, which is a really exciting thing to be able to do. I'm, I'm thankful that we have the ability to help educate people on, on how does Uniswap work and how does SushiSwap work. Um, alongside that, I think we really, well, we're also like figuring out what version two looks like, which will have some protocol level changes and, and all, all of that. Uh, but we're not, quite, we're not quite there yet to start talking about it too much publicly. 
uh, and then also like a lot of um, a lot of stuff to help kind of continue to push the collecting of and like make it feel good. So I think it's very clear, like even though they're they're all just tokens, something about owning 10 ERC20 tokens versus one NFT just feels different in your wallet. Something about it is different. Uh, and it feels it's relatively intangible what exactly it is. Um, but we're working pretty hard in like talking with users and collectors to try to figure out what does make it feel good? What what can we do differently? What can our smart contract, like at a code level, what can be different? Does it mean that we're issuing you NFTs as well? As a collector, maybe you have a special 10% 10 ownership collector NFT that you get or different things like that, more like badge and like success stuff. Um, but really trying to figure out how we can hammer that home and make it feel good and exciting and easy to display your, your NFTs and and the fractions of your NFTs kind of inappropriate, but, but exciting ways. The display is such a key thing here because there isn't a ton of ways to display NFTs right now. I've seen uh, on cyber. I think that's been one of the really popular ones and it's really cool. I went to, I, I went to Vincent Vendo's, uh, you know, Gallup, he invited me personally and, uh, Grace, no, I'm just kidding. But um, it was really cool to actually see that that curation. But it feels like there's still a long way to go in terms of uh, displaying NFTs. And uh, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts around that are. Totally. And you know, like honestly, I, I am by no means a subject matter expert in any of this. I would say comparatively to most collectors, I probably care about that less than most do. I'm like not super artsy or like, I don't, I, I was a little late to art blocks and I'm late to one of one art because I don't really consider myself very well, you know, well-equipped to decide what looks good and what doesn't, you know, what looks rare and what doesn't look rare. Uh, that is not, that is not something that I really feel that I'm in any way qualified to, to do. And so I think that while like in the long term, some of this more metaverse stuff like on cyber and, and other stuff like that is like really awesome and will probably be massive. I think that at least right now, people probably, they still want to display stuff in their homes. Like people talk all the time about not wanting to buy a Fidenzo where the, the print has already been claimed because they want to hang the print in their house. And it's like, to me, that's very telling of what people still care about when it comes to how you display NFTs and how you show these things off in your homes and in your virtual lives as well as your real life. Uh, and so I'm excited to see more really high quality, like at home uh, digital frames and stuff like that. I think that that's going to be really powerful for people once they have a really great way to display their stuff in high fidelity at home. Um, Cause as much as the virtual stuff I think will be huge, we kind of need something to bridge the gap a little bit because the metaverse isn't quite ready yet. Do you have any frames, NFT frames? I have uh, I have one infinite object of uh, a top shot moment. I want to buy one of the atomic forms. I think those look really sick, but they're on pre-order and I'm moving within the next year. And so I don't know when those pre-orders are going to ship. So I don't want to order one to my place and then move and, have to deal with all of that. So I, I'm just going to wait. Um, but 
I will definitely be getting one, if not more, when they do come out. Um, I've, I've talked with their team a lot, and they seem like super, super talented, and like like they have the right idea of how they want to do things. Um, but yeah, right now it's just one infinite objects. I'm I'm a little behind. <laughs> what would you like to display of your NFTs? So I have a Fidenza that I got super lucky. Like I, I got so lucky because I, like I said, I was pretty late to art blocks, honestly. And then like one day I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to buy some stuff. And I bought a bunch of stuff. And that was like right before art blocks went crazy. It was pure luck. It was <laughs> and so I have my Fidenza. I will definitely like, I think that thing, I think they look so sick. Um, I have some really, I have some, some one-of-one stuff that I've bought that I really like. There's a, an artist named Zygor who I like a lot. He, uh, I bought some of his stuff on super rare and, and nifty gateway. Um, I have some other stuff that I bought from like very, very early on foundations artists. I, I, I don't, haven't spent as much time lately, just like trolling foundation and, and super rare and stuff for new artists and releases. Uh, but I was doing that a little bit more back when, when foundation first, uh, like launched their Ethereum based version and they moved over from XDAI. Um, I generally like like pixel art. I like a lot, which is funny, but like that's just kind of my taste. Uh, and then I also like some of like the more weird, like vapor wavy aesthetic kind of stuff. Uh, those are really like the two avenues of things I like a lot. I have my my uh, boy from Larona. I don't know if people have seen that. Uh, it's like a it's a collectible that uh, is like super super high quality. That would definitely be in the. Uh, in the list of things I'd be displaying for sure. And obviously my punk, but I feel like hanging a punk on the wall, like that's not really going to do that much for you. That that's more of a, Oh, look how cool I am. I have a punk than anything else. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a punk, uh, as the av- Twitter avatar is, is that's where it needs to hang. Um, yeah. well, if you like pixel art and wavy stuff, I mean, I'm sure crypto has many, many, much art to offer you. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no shortage of shit that I want to buy all the time. There's so many talented pixel artists that I see. And really the biggest problem is just like, I can't possibly buy all of it. Um, and, but yeah, um, I definitely, I, I, I would say I don't have as much one-of-one stuff as I would like. Um, I need to like spend some more time and really get into it. I, I definitely have a hard time disassociating sometimes like, the uh like the the artist and and what they've done and like being able to act like actually understand what is good and what looks good and just kind of be like now nah, you know what i like this i'm just gonna buy it and just supporting people whose whose art i like i have, have trouble with that sometimes yeah i mean i think uh most nft minters would struggle with that it's it's very tempting just to okay like oh this is popular let me just buy this and it's hard yeah. to, even within yourself to say, okay, is, do I really like this? Or is it like just, you know, I'm feeling FOMO. Yeah, no, totally. And I think that's why the, uh, the like PFP out of 10,000 projects have done so well is it's kind of like art collecting on training wheels where they just tell you what's rare. They tell you what looks good because they're just like, oh no, this mm. one only, only, 0.1% have this. And so that means it looks good. Uh, whereas when you're just like scrolling through foundation or super rare, trying to decide what looks good, you have to make that up yourself. You have to decide 
what is a quality that means it's good. Um, and so I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to build those muscles to be able to do that. <laughs> I like the training wheels. Yeah. Yeah. Much easier. I don't think, yeah, my, uh, this, this NFT behind me, this is a blit map. This is, oh, I love blit maps. I got, uh, lucky on this i had no idea i just minted one back in the day and somehow it became valuable um i thought it reminded me of my game boy pocket we used to play pokemon on so it's so it had that personal meaning and i just was like oh this is cool i had no idea anything about it and um yeah guess i guess that worked out um one one thing that on that vein is that it's, I think that a lot of the NFTs appeal to a very certain type of person and they have this nostalgia about them, especially the pixel art. I think it, it reminds, it certainly reminds me of like, you know, again, playing these games when I was a kid and um, a lot of these NFTs are addressing that even the punks themselves, right? The original ones are also pixel and has that throwback type feel. Yeah, totally. I, I definitely feel that a lot. Um, and I was also like a huge Game Boy kid growing up playing Pokemon and Fire Emblem and all these different games. And like, I it totally colors what I like nostalgia just like totally is a huge part in what I like and what I want to collect. And like, even with loot and some of this stuff, like I, I like playing D&D, I enjoy fantasy games and like, you know, just kind of all of that really strikes a chord for me in a way that is fun and, and is exciting. Uh, and it's like the same thing with Top Shot when I got into that. So I just love basketball. And so it was it was fun for me. And I think that's like a kind of a, a superpower that NFTs have, which DeFi and other things don't really have, is it's very hard to feel emotionally attached to a DeFi governance token or to Ethereum or Solana, unless you're like one of the creators or something, or it's like totally changed your life in some way because of the price. But like there are NFTs that can make you feel a particular way totally regardless of price, which is like a really powerful thing that, uh, that I think definitely goes underappreciated. Yeah. 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 That's it's, I didn't, I didn't appreciate that point about NFTs, um, because, you know, I was super into DeFi and all these, these ideas. And then out of left field, it's felt like this whole, this NFT wave came and all these, you know, very popular celebrities started getting into these NFTs. And I think that's the reason, the reason is because it has, you know, that picture, it can mean something. It's, it's more fun. Nobody wants to just talk about, Oh, I'm earning 10% uh, on my stable point. Nobody gives a shit, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's uh, they, you want to have that fun. You want to have that excitement. And I think NFTs can bring that in many ways. Yeah, totally. I, I think that there's like, you know, I, and this is nothing to say, like it's, it's in no way a discredit towards DeFi. It's just like, no one gets excited about their own finance in the real world. It's like, yeah, you get a credit card and you have a bank account and you earn some interest and you put your money into a 401k and that's like it. And like DeFi is amazing for what it unlocks for people to have more control over those, over those different things in their life. But like, I don't really talk to my friends about my, <laughs> about like finance, uh, you know, some subsection, some subsection of people do, but most don't. Um, whereas collectibles and culture and sports and music are all things like that kind of drive most of our day-to-day conversations and, and thoughts and stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
what are some how do you think that these so going back to the, the ideas of these fractions and having these communities around them um how how have you experienced the fractional community and building a community of your own um it's, it could be challenging um, it's something that i you know try to do as well but what have you learned through that process yeah you know i think it's been interesting and challenging. I think it's really nice that we don't have a token. Uh, <laughs> it makes it a lot easier. There's just like one less thing you have to think about while you're building and ironing out all these kinks. Um, because, you know, like launching a relatively new product in a new and emerging field, like there's a lot of, a lot of issues to iron out and a lot of things to figure out. And just like adding one extra layer of things people could be mad about or confused about, it's nice to not have. Um, but I think overall it's been pretty good. I, I think trying to figure out where like is fractionals community different than the sub communities around a particular NFT. And if so, how do we cultivate that? What does it mean to be a fractional community member versus a party of the living dead community member? And how do we make those things kind of one in the same while making each feels important in their own way or special in their own way. Um, as of right now, our, our discord is pretty great. It's, it's really active. I'm not nearly as active in it as I'd like to be. Fortunately, we have like amazing team members who are, and they know it's more their job to be than mine. I just, you know, I'd like to, I just am discord and telegram and Twitter overloaded. <laughs> don't like, don't have the time of the day to, to participate in as many chats as I, as I wish I could. I need like a, a 36 or 48 hour day, I think be ideal. Um, but I, th I think one of the things we've tried really hard to do is um, really, really like accept and acknowledge feedback from people as we're building and make people feel heard and seen that we do, that we appreciate their feedback and that it's valuable to us. And so after the first month, we uh, we like did a POAP drop where we worked with, um, Killer Acid, and we made these two POAPs for early contributors. And one was just to anyone who's really come and participated on Fractional. And then another more special one was for people who uh, came and really added value to our Discord, to our community in some way, to our website, where they maybe they reported a bug to us or they jumped in and became a moderator or you know a bunch of different things. Um, and just trying to make people feel seen and say like, hey, you know, we really appreciate and acknowledge that you're taking time out of your day to talk about something that like, you know, you're not getting paid to do this. You're just here because you want to be. Uh, and we're definitely going to continue to try to figure out how to do that going forward. Uh, our first POAP stuff was really well received. Uh, and obviously, like, I, I think a big part of that is because Killer Acid's amazing and like the artwork was really incredible. It was one of those things where Jesus was like, oh yeah, I could talk to him. We could probably get him to do something. And I was like, 100%, like, <laughs> no question. Um, but yeah, that, that's how we've really taken to community building so far. I think it, you know, it'll obviously get harder and more challenging, I think, as we grow and as the NFT space grows, um, but it'll be an exciting uphill battle. Okay. I'm going to ask the question, but you're not going to like it. All right. When token. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. And I still didn't have a sassy answer. Um, I will say 
I am a very strong believer in building robust decentralized protocols. Um, but I don't have an answer to that question. All right, fair enough, fair enough. I totally thought the artist on that po-op was uh, Pop Wonder. Yeah, it is, you're right. I'm sorry, oh. I'm sorry, Pop Wonder. I'm sorry, Killer Hassan. <laughs> the artist okay. was, yeah, it was. Um, that was my bad. All right, cool. I really like Pop Wonder. They did, uh, I um, minted a few craniums back in the day and they also had a collaboration with them. Uh, oh yeah, those are really cool. Yeah, those turned out really cool. It's really nice. Uh, it's fun. It's interesting how these these um, NFTs are trying to give back with like kind of we see the the mutants and the the kennels and the, you know trying to feed back the value to the community. Um, it's interesting where these these groups of people will go. Like you know, I've heard this idea that um, it's all about IP and like you can create maybe stories around these communities, like a board a comic book or a movie or something like that. And, and that's really one way that that's kind of the future of these communities. I don't know if you think about that or agree with that idea, or it's just like people just want to hang out. Yeah. I, I think that that all makes a lot of sense. I think to a certain extent, like the imagination of what is possible is maybe more powerful than the actual execution of those things. Um, I think that was really, really evident in loot where you get loot and you're like, oh my God, this could be anything. This could be a D&D game. This could be this. It could be, oh my God. And then you're like, no, it's just like people fighting on the internet. <laughs> it's, it's actually just that. Uh, and so I think that that is true for a lot of this stuff. Um, although like the NFTs in movies and with their own deals and all that, that's, that's happening. That's like a very real thing that's going to happen. Um, and I think that some of these NFT projects are going to just like, they're going to grow to levels that people didn't even realize was possible because I'm, I'm generally a really strong believer that anything that has happened, not like in the digital world on the blockchain, like it's just going to get blown out by the blockchain in a lot of ways. And like whatever the highs were for Disney character IP is eventually just going to be like totally annihilated by whatever the highs are for the the most important crypto native IP that are that's like character and story driven. What that is, I mean, who who knows? Um, but just being global and and being the way that it is, I, I'm I feel really confident about that. And the same thing with like Top Shot when you're like when I was reasoning around all of that and comparing it to physical trading cards, like there's just no way that Top Shot isn't worth, you know, assuming that blockchain and everything does well, there's just no way that the like fully diluted valuation of all Top Shot cards isn't 10, 20, 30 X more than trading cards because it just makes so many things so much better. Um, and by, I, I do think that like, at least right now we're so early that people are really just kind of making up their own imagination of, of what that all could be. Um, but I'm really excited to see what comes of it. I think that it's what's exciting is to see teams that are doing stuff outside of the like original core team that made things. Um, like, you know, you can hate on Beanie as much as you want, but like the Punk's comic stuff, I think is really interesting. I, I like love the idea of taking this IP and, and making your own story. And then there's uh, Jenkins the Valet, which is doing stuff for Bored Apes. I'm an advisor on that team. And um, they're doing like this communal storytelling with the one particular ape. 
uh, and there's some really, really cool stuff that they're doing. Uh, I, I think we're just going to see more and more of that. And I think that that's one of the cool things with these NFTs allowing kind of like IP rights to anyone is that you give people the chance to build something really cool. And there's going to be some teams that pick it like, you know, they accept that challenge and do build really, really cool things. Um, but there's, I'm, I'm not confident that every single one of these PFP projects is going to be the one that does it. So it'll be interesting to see where they all find themselves in, in five or 10 years. And I don't think that necessarily means that they're going to be worthless. I just don't think that they're all going to be the next Netflix original series. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. One interesting thing recently was uh, I think that Larva Labs signed an agreement with some with, uh, for the rights for the for the punks and for the me bits. That was a pretty I kind of went under the radar since like it, nothing is really happening, but that could be big in the next few years. Who knows what that means? Punks the movie. Yeah, totally. I'm really interested to see what uh, what comes of that. I saw some some mixed reviews of like one being, whoa, that's really crazy, really cool punks in a movie, but another being like, do we really want our NFTs like going the same route as like previous like media cycles and stuff? So it'd be interesting to see kind of how that all plays out. Like what if a punk that you own is in a movie? Is that good? Is that bad? Do you want royalties for that? You're not going to get them. <laughs> like it, it's going to create a ton of chaos. It'll, and like, there's no way that all that stuff doesn't happen without like a ton of drama. But it, in the long run, it, I think it, it's hard to say that it's not good in the long run, but it'll, I think there'll be a lot of drama. So you're not uh, confident that you're going to be streamed some uh, cash flows from people using your punk? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I mean, I'd love to be proven wrong. Be cool but i wouldn't bet on it yeah are do you think that's particular to punks or like is that just generally speaking well so punks in particular you like you don't really have you every punk holder i think has like the, the rights to make like a hundred thousand dollars a year from their punk commercially which is such like a weird thing I, I don't i mean i'm i'm not a lawyer by any means i could be totally wrong here but that from like reading stuff and my basic understanding that was what i gathered whereas with most of these newer projects like apes and cool cats and stuff you have significantly more rights um i wouldn't be shocked to see it with something like a you know if if uh yugo labs i think that's who they are who do board apes um you know if if they made some movie or something and used used your ape i would I think there's a much higher likelihood that you get paid royalties from that than you do from Larva Labs, just based on uh, how I've seen them all operate. And but I, I still wouldn't bet on it unless you know if it was your ape and you made the movie or you signed your ape on to make it. That's one thing. Um, but it'll be really, really interesting to see. I, I mean, it's just totally uncharted territory. Uh, it'll it'll be it'll be a fun couple couple of years as people kind of figure all of that out yeah it, i think where it gets even more interesting if someone actually built a brand around their identity like spotty wi-fi right and then they use mm -hmm. his punk that it's like that's deflam defamatory could be if he like gets killed i don't know like whatever whatever happens yeah. to him in the movie like that could be a big problem for someone um as opposed to just like okay i'm a punk holder but you know you know it looks cool i mean those are two different things right 
Yeah, totally. And I, I think that's one of like the really fun and exciting things, but also one of the hard things is everyone wants to use these NFTs for different things, different things like Sandbox. The game just bought a golden ape the other day for like 750 Ethereum. And so it's like you have companies buying these things and Visa did it obviously as well with the punk. Uh, and then you have individuals and then you have individuals who are buying these and then turning them into companies. Like there's just every single possible way that you could think about monetizing or not monetizing these things. It's going to happen. And there's definitely just going to be some conflicts of interest in people who are mad at other people for the way that they use something and their like their NFT likeness <laughs> and all of that stuff. Uh, that, that all feels pretty inevitable to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to move to wrapping up over here, but what are you most excited about uh, on the horizon for NFTs? Yeah. You know, I think obviously it's been a really crazy year for NFTs, um, but I think one of the things that's most crazy about it is there's really not that much infrastructure right now for NFTs. Um, I'm really, really excited to, to see now that there's just been this crazy inflow of capital into the system uh, just kind of see what gets built. I know everyone gives OpenSea a hard time, but now they have just an insane amount of money. They can really build a ton. Um, and there's a ton of other companies that have raised a ton of money and can hopefully build a bunch more. So I'm, I'm excited to see what we build to make it easier for normal people to get in and, and buy an NFT and kind of start doing all of that. And I'm hopeful that Fractional can, can be a part of that in some way. I definitely, it's definitely one of our goals to, make it, you know, I see fractional as kind of an on-ramp to NFTs for a lot of people because you can, you know, there's no particular price point that is, that is too low for us. Um, and then alongside that kind of in the same vein as, as we were talking about earlier, I'm just excited to see what comes next. I, I am not the visionary to know what, what is going to come next and what that's going to be. Um, but there's a lot of really incredibly smart people and a lot of incredibly creative people who are building the next art blocks or the next loot or the next punks or board apes that's going to take the world by storm and be all that someone talks about on crypto Twitter for like a week. Um, and I'm really excited for whatever that is um, because I think that, you know, just like I'm saying right now, no one really knows. And so that's always really fun. I like it. I like it. I, yeah. The infrastructure for NFTs is, is not really here. It's difficult to even list something on OpenSea, you have to do a bunch of transactions. And then like, if you want to scroll through NFTs, it's not very easy. You have to go back for like, it's just, a, and mo forget mobile, like that's whole oh, yeah. worse. <laughs> so definitely a lot of work to be done on that front. Um, yeah. Uh, um, if you had a billboard in Times Square, highly, highly trafficked area, what would you, what would you write on it? Just anything? Whatever you want. Oh, man. That's a hard question. Um, I think I, I can't, I'm not sure exactly what it would be, but some stupid meme about the Pleaser Dow Doge NFT on Fractional. <laughs> It would definitely be really low quality, just really dumb, but I'd want it to be some, some clever meme about, about that NFT. Uh, yeah, that'd definitely be my answer. Maybe it's just the picture of the dog. Maybe that's all you need. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's just the picture of the dog. 
that that probably is the right answer. It's just a picture of Doge. <laughs> I like it. I like it. We didn't even touch on Pleaser Dow, but uh, that was a fantastic launch you just had uh, this week with the with Doggos. It's a big deal, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see where that goes. So yeah, um, me too. After uh, listening to this conversation, how would you like the listener to take action? Um, well, I think if you if you listen to anything that we said about fractional or, or fractional NFTs and you're interested in like learning more about that, I would say just come to our website or our Discord and and chat. It, it's pretty active. We have a pretty a pretty solid community so far of people who are willing to help you and answer questions and kind of help get you some some ownership of an nft um yeah I, th- I think that's probably the best best i got all right okay andy thank you very much for taking the time continued success on your projects and um hope we can chat again soon yeah thank you thank you for having me <laughs>